airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, well, goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah. Lord, I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B's over in Studio CC. And so many of us, if we're honest, we're probably reading news stories throughout the night. I mean, let's just, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe you and I are the only weirdos who do things like that from time <laughs> to time. Um, uh, anyways, <laughs> prayer and intercession. Yes. Definitely. Because look, let's let's just be real here. Okay? Let's just be real here. Um our first and foremost focus is on how the church functions in any context that it exists in. Amen. Right? And um to that end, <laughs> we would be um I I I don't know um denying what is obvious to say that tough times are ahead in this country for the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, those are the things that grab my attention. Right. Those are the things, you know, yeah. because there are other things that are that are on the table when we talk about, um, you know, who's in power and who, um, you know, has the power to make laws and, you know, make executive <laughs> decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, but we we you know, it's hmm. you know what I prayed today? I pray that the Lord would help us to be able to encourage the body of Christ. Amen. And uh, and and the reason I prayed that was because on my own, I feel like, man, you know, this it's it's really bleak. And and if you know anybody's wondering, you know, what we're talking about, <laughs> I can't imagine that anybody listening to this program will be wondering what we're talking about. Um, but we are talking about living in a country where um, complete and total control to a certain extent (laughs) of the country um, is in the hands of people who by and large, um, if they don't hate God, they are absolutely in support of policies that reflect a hatred of God. Yeah. Can we say it that way? Oh yeah. Um, Cause there would be people who would say not every, this is a that. And and I understand that. And I would argue with you, I would be right alongside you um, saying the same thing, but I will say that that doesn't seem to translate when it comes to policy making. Mm hmm. Um, so, so there should be great concern for Christians. In fact, and this is not one of those moments where as a Christian who is tasked with warning people, um, publicly, that's what we see our job as, uh, that's what we see our mission as, uh, equipping the body of Christ, um, alerting you and informing you so that the proliferation of the gospel remains paramount, Amen. right? That this is, this is always our focus. And, um, you know, but there is a point where you look at where we are and we say, okay, um, there's a couple things that we can note about this moment. Mm-hmm. There are, well, there are many things we can note about this, this moment, but a, a few that we'll talk about in this segment, and then we'll get into our second segment. We have a guest who is joining us. Um, one of the things that we need to note is that the express purpose and aims of the Lord God have not changed. Amen. Right. 
um, we still have a mission and a mandate as the people of God yes. to proliferate the gospel, to tell people that there is a God who has judged sin, right? And, and <laughs> we still have an opportunity to tell people that we are all guilty. And there is one who is guiltless, <laughs> who made himself stand in our place as the guilty one, yet not guilty, right? Mm -hmm. So that we would not have to pay the penalty for our own sin. This one has made a promise to those who put their trust and their hope in him that he's going away to prepare a place and that he's coming again to get his bride and to take her back with him that where he is, she may also be. Now, I want to say something. And I, you know, I try to be very careful about, you know, what we bring to air because we get all kinds of messages and voicemails and things like that. But look, let me tell you something. <laughs> Yesterday, we were talking about the attacks on the church. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Oh, they're going to ramp up. Oh, yeah. The attack on the yeah. church is going to ramp up. Make no mistake about it. If you have a thin skin, you better toughen up in the Holy Spirit. If you're given to cowardice, you better be bold in the Lord. You better be prayerful. You better be steeped in the word and not wavering on truth. You better teach your children to stand. Because the little glimpses that we got of this, the attacks on the church. What do you, what do you think will happen? Now that there are very few obstacles to people's wicked agenda, <laughs> to what they what they desire to implement in the United States of America. And let me say this. This is a point that I want to make here. And I, this is not to throw shade. This is just to say, listen, Christians, this is this is a Christian broadcast network. First and foremost. Everything that we talk about when we're looking at the issues, we filter that through a biblical lens. That's our news reporting. That's our programming, all of that. And so it must be seen in that order and received in that order. And if ever there was a time where we need to rally around, like what is it that is of eternal importance to us and, and how do we regroup? It's that we're believers first and foremost. Amen. So there better be solidarity around that. But let me say this. While yesterday we were talking about all of the implications of uh, dividing the church and how that even plays out in politics, how that plays out in our culture, that when we don't pay attention to the things of God, right? All these other things that we think we can change by our own strength of hand, those things kind of start falling apart, right? Because we don't care about the household of faith. <laughs> and, and while we're doing this show and while we're talking about it, now we didn't know it while we're doing the show. Uh, this, this is a message that Will the Great received after the show was over. While we're talking about how, man, we better, we better be careful. We better watch what's happening with the body of Christ. There are moves to divide us, dividing the bride. And we're talking about the biblical implications of that. What did God do by showing the church his manifold wisdom is mm -hmm. revealed in the church, mm -hmm. taking all of these people who are not like one another, bringing them together. The head is Christ. Christ, man. Listen, <laughs> all right, while we're doing that show, there is someone who calls in and says, why are you talking about that? Nobody wants to hear about that. Why are you talking about the church? Nobody wants to hear about that. You better be talking about what's happening in Washington. Let me tell you something, my friend, that is idolatry. Yep. And that is why we find ourselves under the judgment of God. Because he has intervened in our affairs. And we have rejected him over and over and over again. And we have said that America is great because of our hands and because of what we have done. 
And God has said, America's great because I made you great. And you've run out of use for me. And, and the point is proven when here we are saying, guys, we better know what we believe. We better stand up and we better defend the church. The people of God better rally. And someone is calling in saying, why are you talking about that? We say, God, have mercy on our nation. But it's not because we want the gospel to proliferate. It's just because we love our nation. It's not because we have a fear of God. It's not because we're so grateful because look at God's mercy. No, it's just because we love our own comfort. We love our own stuff. We're not so far removed from the Laodicean church. And we're not reading the scripture. So we're just like everything is about our feelings and what's happening in real time. And let me tell you, let me just say this. If you are not given to reading the word of God, I would um, emphatically and humbly invite you to do that because in the days ahead the comfort that each of us will need is only going to be found in prayer and the word of God mm-hmm. the Lord has not left us to ourselves we are equipped to stand in whatever culture do you understand Amen. that Amen. if we are believers then the Holy Spirit indwells us the same Holy Spirit that allowed the gospel to proliferate under imperial rule. Do you understand? The same Holy Spirit who equipped the saints that the gospel so much spread that the apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians that they all greet. This is how he ends up the letter that he wrote to the Philippians. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me, greet you. All the saints greet you. Watch this, especially those of Caesar's household. (laughs) Why does Paul specifically point that out? Because he's saying, Hey, look, the gospel is bearing fruit everywhere, everywhere. Amen. Do you think the Christians didn't understand what they were facing (laughs) under imperial rule? Do you think they didn't understand what they were facing with the shift and the change of whatever Caesar was in in office or in power at the time? Of course they understood that. But that was not their aim to make sure they had the best possible Caesar. Their aim, which should be our aim is the proliferation of the gospel. Because if people are saved, then guess what? They're not wicked. (laughs) If people fear God, then guess what? They live holy and righteous lives. And if our children are trained in righteousness and godliness, then guess what? They don't vote for wicked people. And yet, when we talk about all that it takes to turn this around and what we need to do, it's like, ah, that's a sleeper. Oh, come on. Well, let me just say this, and and look, send your emails to Addison's at AFR.net. Because, I mean, come on. There are tons of people who don't fear God who can talk to you about politics only. Tons of people who can do that for you. But there are very few who are going to filter what is happening in this country through a biblical lens, even talking about the judgment of God, the right decree of God. That if we forget him, it is his mercy that he steps in and says, hey, you have forgotten me. (laughs) That's his mercy that we don't continue on this way. And as you'll hear in today's show, we can stack up the proof 
that we have forgotten God. We have turned away from God. We have found ways to monetize all types of wickedness. It's true. It's not only in the slaughter of innocent babies. It's in the sale of children and online pornography. We're going to talk about that today. What's the church's role in all of that? Because unfortunately, Hmm. we don't like to talk about Hmm. it. You've got consumers Mm -hmm. in the church who are bankrolling these different outlets. And we want to talk about all we got to do is this. No, humility is what you got to do. You see, this is where it's good for us to be sort of those, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We've got that rugged individualism. But somehow we have thought that that's what we need to bring with us to the cross. No, 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 no. That's that's great for operating in our nation. Yeah, that's great. But when you come to the cross. And you better bring humility with you. You better bring the right estimation of yourself. Lord, we need you. We're not great. There are a lot of things that I can do, but the thing I need most, I cannot do. I need you. We need God in our country, Christians. And the Lord, man, the Lord gave us a reprieve. And, And from 2016, man, you go back and listen to our archives. Check us on this. What were the Addisons saying? Hey, man, you know, we've been given a reprieve, man. What are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with this, man? We really, we dodged a bullet, spiritually speaking. This is not just political. This is spiritual. But so now here we are where we're praying and we're crying out and we're saying, Lord, please provide for us. Please continue to provide for us the type of environment, the type of culture, the type of society where the gospel can be freely expressed, where Christians can live freely. Lord God, please. And the Lord is like, you know, what are you going to do with that? And what do we do? We kind of we kind of took a little rest. Like, you know, we we took as Christians several victory laps. (laughs) Like we're like, hey, hey, man, wasn't that exciting how that happened? Instead of saying, oh, Lord, we better be about your business. We better Mm. be training our children in righteousness. Come on. There are a number of churches in Texas that under the Obama administration, when they started saying, we're going to do whatever we want with your kids' schools, you know what those churches did? said, then we're out. (laughs) They took their kids out. And they said, we know parents still have to work, but there's some of us who don't have to, so the church is going to become a school. But then, you know, things kind of got a little bit better, so we were just like, eh, you know, eh, you know. (laughs) There was a sense of urgency. There is a great sense of urgency. This is Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We're not pulling any punches. We'll be right back. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's uh, Phil Wickham with Living Hope. Sherry V is over in Studio CC, and we appreciate her. She has gotten our guest on. But let me give a very strong disclaimer. Um, We are going to talk about um, a topic that is not suitable for young listeners, and I'm well aware 
of the fact that not only do parents um, sometimes listen to the show or go back and listen to the podcast with their children, um, but we have some older kids who just listen on their own. And so I'm going to say um, a couple of things. Parents use strong caution. And then if you are one of our younger listeners who you listen because your parents have just come to say, yeah, the Addisons are okay to listen to. I just want to tell you, all right, so that your conscience can bear witness that this may not be suitable for you. Okay. <laughs> so um, you go ask your mom or go ask your dad. If you can continue listening to the Addisons today, um, we're going to talk about a topic that is of a sexual nature. And, um, and so I just want to make sure that I issue that disclaimer for all of our listeners. Um, and then we'll just, we'll just go right into it. Um, today, our guest is Lisa Thompson, who, by the way, um, Lisa, let me just bring you in straight away and just apologize. We've been trying to get you on the show for a while, and there have been so many different things um, going on, and I really appreciate your patience with us. I believe that this topic is so important for us to discuss, so I'm glad that you're willing to bear with us and ultimately be our guest today. Um, Lisa, you serve as vice president and director of the um, – National Center on Sexual Exploitations Research Institute, and uh, you conduct analysis on a wide range of um, the web activity of porn companies like Pornhub and others who engage in um, the exploitation and sexual abuse of children. Your your special emphasis is on the public health harms of pornography, and you know honestly, this is this is one of those um, topics that I feel like just kind of reflects um, how much our nation has shifted and how much we have changed um, over the past decades that what has now become kind of normalized in our culture would have at one time been abhorrent to just, you know, the everyday American, but we accept these things as normal. Um, Lisa, thank you for joining us today. I really do appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. All right. So let's talk a little bit about um, I know that last month, at least there was a call to action um, from your organization, but also you were kind of, um, you know, sounding the alarm that uh, there is no amount of overhaul that Pornhub can go through um, to kind of clean itself up and make itself acceptable um, for the sake of our listeners, give us just a little bit of a background on how massive the porn industry is uh, in our country, the role that Pornhub serves in all of that, and then what was recently uncovered that led to Pornhub attempting to, I hate to say clean up its service. Like there's, I mean, it just doesn't seem like that's possible at all. Right. <laughs> that's an oxymoron for sure. It is. Yeah. yeah. So um, I guess to begin, I would just say first, there's an organization, there's a, an international pornography conglomerate called MindGeek, and it runs very many uh, pornography sites. And one of the most well known is this entity called Pornhub. Now, Pornhub is what, what's considered a porn aggregator website. And basically, you could just think of that as YouTube for pornography. Wow. So, in other words, third parties are allowed to upload content to their website. So their own, you know, produced, anybody pretty much can upload um, their own content from around the world. So, um, oh and staggeringly, literally millions and millions of videos are uploaded to this site each year. And that content 
I mean, it's exploitive and just degrading in and of itself, but it's also riddled with child sexual abuse material, depictions of sexual assault, rape. It's highly racist. There's tons of spy cam type footage that's surreptitiously taken of people and just a, a myriad of other forms of exploitive and criminal content on the site. And so my organization, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation, and our dear, dear partner, Exodus Cry, uh, who's really been out um, doing a lot on this issue, we've joined together and have been um, you know, speaking out about this, these criminal, this criminal content on mm. Pornhub and um, asking that it be shut down. Mm. So for this this outlet Pornhub is this something that is only available in the United States of America I know you say you say that it um has content from all around the world is it also viewed all around the world or is it just Oh yes <laughs> yes it has it has you know so many viewers from all the world and in fact they actually issue an annual report and mm-hmm. they talk about their viewership from different countries around the world and, and which countries prefer which themes of content. It's, you know, it's mm-hmm. rather detailed. And, you know, it's all part of the effort to make themselves seem, you know, normal and even trendy and cool. I mean, they, they do a lot wow. of gimmicky type of things to gain notoriety and to bring themselves attention. And, in fact, during this COVID situation that we've all been confronted with, um, they went to the extent of offering free premium accounts to people all over the world um, while they were quarantining. Wow. So you talk about exploit, you know, exploiting a terrible situation where people are locked up, you know, hang it, not locked up, but like cooped locked up. Down. Locked down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, locked yeah. down, locked down, cooped up at home. Sure. And, you know, you're they're looking for things to do and there's a lot of stress and you know, we know already that pornography use is tied to things like depression yes. and stress. And so here they are offering their product to, to you know, rope more people in. Now, wow. it's interesting that you said um, they issue um, an annual report where they look at their numbers and, and, and all of the things that you just said. Um I'm wondering, and I, I should have told you, I, I mean, I wasn't even aware of this, so forgive me if I'm putting you on the spot here, Lisa, but I'm wondering about um, specific numbers for the United States of America. And and the reason I'm asking about that is because, honestly, Lisa, I think that in our country, we kind of think that we're just a little bit better um, than we <laughs> are. And we we know that there is mass consumption of pornography, but I think sometimes just hearing the numbers and just sort of like having this sobering moment where we're like, man, we're not good, you know, mm-hmm. and, and for all of the things that we cry out for, I mean, justice and all of these things, um, it is an injustice to make money, to profit off, um, you know, the abuse of children, the sexual exploitation of children, the abuse of women. Um, I know that just from reading your article here that even some of the content that is produced or that is shared um, shows women being asphyxiated. Like this is, I mean, this is dark mm. and, and yet there is great consumption of this right here in the United States of America. Right. Now I did not anticipate this specific question, so no. I don't have the exact number for you, but I can say this, um, that the U S is always at the top 
um, in terms of the consumers for Pornhub. Uh-huh. If, if, if I'm not mistaken, I you know people can double check me on that report, but I I think that the U.S. is almost always number one, if not always. Um, so we have that dubious distinction. Um, I would also say that just in terms of you know some of the general information that I do know about the report. You know, they have reported literally billions of hours, like over, like like four and a half billions of hours of porn consumption on their website alone on it in one year. They, I'm sorry, say that they, say that again, Lisa. I'm sorry, say that they, again. They have had they have reported four and a half billion hours of porn use on their site alone. Wow. Four and a half billion hours. Wow. wow. Um, now that's even an older statistic. Uh, you know, recently they're, they're, you know, topping 33 billion visits to their website, uh, you know, and annually. And we're talking about millions of daily visits. Um, and mm. one of the startling um, statistics, like from a, a recent report, was that if you, um, you know, put end to end all the videos that were uploaded in that year, it would take 115 years to watch all that pornography if you tried to oh watch it consecutively. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so we're talking about copious, copious Huge. amounts mm-hmm. of pornography consumption, both it's in the U.S. and around the world. Mm. That's unbelievable. Now, I, I read, and I don't have it right here in front of me, at least my eyes, I can't find it in the article that's in front of me, but I read that Pornhub um, has a, a way to um, appeal to even younger viewers. Um, can we talk about that? What are the ways that they entice younger viewers and sort of trap them into this world of pornography? And then by extension, let's talk about, let us not forget the effects of pornography on young developing brains. Right. Well, you know, they, they have a lot of ways I think they try to, to loop in young people. But, I mean, one of the problems we're confronting, this isn't just a porn hub, hub problem. The fact mm-hmm. is that young people have so much access to pornography yes. via yes. the Internet. And so it's very likely that they're going to stumble upon this content. I'm not saying every kid's going to go out and intentionally look for it, but their kids, their classmates at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the you know the kids on the playground, the the youth group they're a part of. I mean, more than likely, there's some child in their network that's already encountered this material. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a problem because we, there's a lot of you know other children who introduce children to mm-hmm. pornography. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the content itself and things like what you would find that would be enticing to children, like there's depictions of um, animated characters. And popular mm. video game characters, cartoon movie characters, but they're, you know, completely changed so that they're involved in pornographic, very explicit sex acts. Um, so, but of course, the cartoon nature of right. that stuff draws young people in. But, I mean, besides that, I think for a lot of young people, um, you know, they're, they're, they're having questions sexually. We a lot of families are reticent to talk about sexuality, and because there's just this in place, this phone that they carry around in their back pocket, really there's like a whole triple X world there just clicked mm. away. Yeah. So they're exposed to all kinds of content. That, you know, that really, I don't think that the the pornography industry has to do too much to try to to appeal to kids. Mm-hmm. They just it's just there, yeah. and there's no gatekeepers. Um, you know, keeping children from seeing this content. And this is what's so astounding is yeah. that because I, I think one of the tragedies is that parents um, who really, you know, are 
trying to do their best, doing a good job, raising their kids. They, mm-hmm. There's this problem we have of not my kid, right? Mm-hmm. That That's right. my yeah. kid isn't going to go look for that stuff. My kid is a good kid. Only the bad kids are going to go look at that stuff. But the, mm-hmm. people just need to completely throw that idea out. I mean, it, it's, I agree. it's just so false and so harmful. And because I've, I don't know how many people I've been, I mean, I've known people who've been homeschooled, mm-hmm. who, you know, wonderful young people mm-hmm. got a pornography addiction. Yeah. All right. So, you know, we have to confront this um, and expect it rather than just, you know, try to pretend it's not going to happen. You know, it's not a matter right. of if, it's a matter of when. You know, yeah. uh, one question I, I, I have about about this, because all of it's terrible, but there, there's instances where it's known that there's trafficking going on, there's minors being used and all this kind of stuff. How do they get around the law? Like, how does mm-hmm. that happen? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just not, you know, it always boggles my mind when they had the, the uh, I think it was called Cuties thing with Netflix or whatever it was mm-hmm. called. Right. You know, it's like, how do they get around the, the, le- the legality of, of this? Right. Well, um, I'm glad you raised that that question. One of the things I think most, there's a lot of misconception about what's legal and what's illegal pertaining Mm -hmm. to pornography in in America. Um, And of course, all this centers around the debate about the First Amendment. Um, Mm -hmm. Child depictions of children in pornography, what we call child sexual abuse material now, CSAM, but under the law, it was referred to as child pornography. That's what we call Basically, per se, on the face of it, it's illegal. You can't own it. It's contraband. Whammo. You know, you're found with it. You can go in jail. Mm-hmm. Um, what about uh, what's considered so-called, you know, in quotation marks, adult pornography? Um, that content, a lot of it could be prosecuted uh, potentially under what we call obscenity laws. But mm-hmm. they're not applied anymore. The U.S. Department of Justice doesn't enforce obscenity law. Mm-hmm. And um, states have started, you know, no longer that I'm aware of <laughs> prosecute obscenity law. So what's happened is that we just have, like, you know, nobody's policing it. So, of mm-hmm. course, there's this tidal wave of content that has swept over the country. And this mm-hmm. started years ago. Like, um, we, we had strong enforcement. Back, uh, back in the 1980s, and in fact, the man who heads our, the National Center on Sexual Exploitation today was the former lead prosecutor um, at the Child uh, um, Sexual Exploitation and Obscenity Section at the Department of Justice, and we, they were locking up pornographers and putting them in jail. Um, but what happened is, you know, administrations change, priorities change, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's yeah. not politically hip to yeah. prosecute yeah. porn, right? Mm-hmm. So it fell by the wayside and, and you know, fewer and fewer uh, prosecutions. That whole section that DOJ gets disbanded mm-hmm. and there's no more prosecutions. So and, and you have that coupled with the advent of the Internet, which, of course, happened, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And we've just been literally slimed, you know, the whole <laughs> this is this tidal wave of yeah. toxic content that's come <laughs> over us. So it's really sad situation. Wow. Lisa, we're going to take a quick break here. When we get back from the break, I want to talk about the New York Times piece, um, the children of Pornhub, and how as a result of that, Pornhub um, tried to make reforms. I, I, I don't understand that. So you'll help me understand that. Uh, then also, I want to talk about the credit card companies that while they are all about eradicating all kinds of injustice, are still, um, you know, 
I don't know, working for Pornhub or making right. money off Pornhub, which to me seems like clear injustice. So let's talk about that when we get back. Um, this is Erin the Addisons on American Family Radio. Lisa Thompson, National Center on Sexual Exploitation, is our guest. We'll be right back. He put that hunger in your heart. He put that fire in your soul. His love is the reason to keep on believing. It's always easier to talk about these tough topics, you know, when, when we think of it in terms of like, you know, those people over there, mm. or even as our guest Lisa said, those bad kids over there. But when we um, are rightly looking at the issue that we're discussing today. We're talking about we and us. And, and yeah. as a Christian, you know, I'm always struck by the stats that we read. And, and Will, you went through a, a time where you were just posting these stats left and right yeah. that members of the body of Christ, those who Man. are claiming to be Christians, um, are heavily consuming yes. pornography. And so let me also do this. Let me reissue the disclaimer mm-hmm. as we come back uh, from the break here. We're talking about a topic that is not suitable for young listeners. So I would strongly caution both parents and some of our younger listeners who listen on their own. Um, our guest today is Lisa Thompson, who is vice president and director of uh, research for the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. And uh, she joins us today to talk about uh, the company Pornhub, And one of the things I was interested in discussing was this sort of, um, I don't know, I guess like an expose that the New York Times did uh, entitled The Children of Pornhub. And it kind of um, pulled the curtain back, um, as um, the article suggests, on Pornhub's uh, profiting off of uh, child sexual abuse and the material that is related to that. And so I'm I'm just kind of curious. It's always one of those things where, you know... (laughs) The New York Times. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I guess I just don't expect um, outlets like that to to really care. So that says to me that it must be worse than we realize. But as a result of that, Pornhub started to try to, I don't know, make reforms. What is what does that even mean? Right. Well, um, a couple of things about that. I would just say, you know, from the outset, I think it's important that people recognize that this issue, it's it's not about the dark web anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if, if people care about ending sex trafficking or child sexual abuse or other forms of sexual violence, they must care about ma- mainstream adult pornography sites. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, you know, we have to have sites like Pornhub in the forefront of our mind. These are mainstream above, you know, like on the main web, anybody can go look at it, which of course I don't want anybody to do. Let me make that very clear. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't go look at it. It's, it's terrific. Um, but this is a, 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 a problem that's in plain sight. Okay. That's, it's not behind, it's not, it's not something that you have to go looking in dark corners to find. Yes, mm-hmm. And yes. In, for, in, in terms of the New York Times, I would like to commend them because not only did they do this expose on uh, Pornhub, but they have done an incredible series of articles about the child sexual abuse material explosion, wow. like the child pornography material, and just how it exploded to the point where, you know, law enforcement, there is absolutely no way they can contend with the scope of the problem. Wow. It's that massive. Wow. So... But back to the expose, yeah, it, it came out, uh, I think, in early December. Uh, it was written by um, one of the well-known writers at the New York Times, Nicholas Kristof, and it just did a deep dive into some of the exploitive um, 
scenarios that have unfolded, um, this, you know, this is what I would call a, a, a symbol in the ocean of the content that's on Pornhub. But mm. talking about some of the survivors who have been exploited on that site, uh, so you know, one young woman who, um, you know, had bad relationships and uh, her images get uploaded, right? She sends some images to somebody, um, then they're non-consensually distributed by that. I mean, like they're uploaded to, in this case, to Pornhub, and then they become, you know, material for individuals all over the world to use, right, for their gratification. So, um, and then this just led her in a huge downward spiral uh, where she ended up in a life of prostitution and, and mm. being exploited and uh, trafficked by people. So that's not a that's not a far-fetched kind of story anymore. Mm-hmm. That's not just, oh, that's just wonder. I mean, th- these types of things um, become are increasingly becoming reality for mm-hmm. many, many people. And I... This is interesting how these issues segue with other forms of sexual abuse and exploitation, things like sexting, which is becoming much more normalized for our mm-hmm. young people. Mm-hmm. You know, and we encounter people who just poo-poo this as children engaging in behavior. You know, like is this is like the new form of dating. Like, mm, what sending wow. new pictures is supposed to be some new form of dating? Are you crazy? Right. And, you know, but what's right. particularly irresponsible is that mm. you know. Once these images are out there, they are completely out of control mm-hmm. of the child, right? There's mm-hmm. no way they're going to get that back. And there's all these what they call parasite websites and individuals who scoop up these types of images because once they get out there, people can start looking for them and they get uploaded to pornography sites. So, you know, basically all this sexual exploitation, exposure to pornography, the normalization that's going on in the world you know, one of the things that really concerns me is that we're now, children have been turned into their own pornographers. Oh, my goodness. Our culture has so groomed them Man. that we Lord. don't need to, you know, we're all worried about the predator <laughs> who's lurking, you know, going to wow. jump out and, uh, you know, harm our children. But right. the fact is we're living in a culture that grooms the, ch- the children to do the exploitation. Mm. Okay, stop. Stop right there. Man. Because I want to highlight that last line. <laughs> We live in a culture that has groomed, has groomed our children to exploit themselves. That's the kind of culture that we live in. And, and man, if we don't take a moment and just sort of like, you know, think about that, mm. right? Like this is, you know, and I was thinking about as you were talking, Lisa, like, you know, there's like um, high schoolers, like toilet papering a house. Right. You remember that? And it's like annoying. You got to go. And, and you're like, those are just kids being kids. This is not that. Come on. Right. This is and, and correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong on this, but I remember at one point interviewing people and talking to people about the fact that when you have minors sending certain information via the phone, there are some people who can have that in their possession and be guilty of having child pornography. Correct. Right. Depending right. on the age of the kid who sent it or who 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 sexted it, as it's called. <laughs> I mean, these right. are the types of things that. We cannot bury our head. And this is not going away. I always say that people think of pornography as like, you know, hey, this is this is 1990s problem. You know what I mean? Nobody wants to talk about this anymore because it's like, you know, the 1990s, they want they want their problems back. But these are problems today. And it still has a huge effect on the minds and the hearts of our children, on the minds and the hearts of men and women. Mm -hmm. And again, speaking as a Christian, I'm looking at the effect that this has on the church. 
So what I want to do, because I, I don't want us to run out of too much time here, because I think that you guys have um, some calls to action and we can talk about those um, as you see fit, Lisa. One of the things is um, the credit card companies that are processing payments for Pornhub. Um, this is really interesting because we live in a time where um, so many com- companies have like this, um, they're so righteous, right? And they're, they're all standing up for justice and they, they want to, you know, drive out the wicked and all of these things. And usually they're looking at Christian conservatives, right? They are um, trying to suppress information that's coming from Christian conservatives. We know this firsthand. Um, but when it comes to Pornhub, companies like Visa and Discover, Diners Club, all of these, these they're processing these these payments for these companies uh, for Pornhub, I should say. So so what what am I missing? What's the disconnect there? Well, you know, I I think the the disconnect is that there's this just what we were a little bit talking about earlier about the mainstream perception that all of that so called adult pornography is legal, when in fact distribution of obscene content is, um, you know, not legal in America. The problem is that the content has to, you know, be adjudicated. Somebody has to say, hey, this is obscene, take it to a a judge and a jury, and they have to make a decision that it's obscene. And so that, that takes time. It takes an investment of law enforcement resources. And it's just not popular. Um, And we've allowed that to continue because, you know, the, the less pros- prosecution of Kennedy is, the more normalized and mainstream all this stuff becomes. Um, but getting back to the credit card company, so I, I think that they're just, you know, living in this world where, hey, it's just adult content, who cares? Um, I'm sure some of the people in the corporations knew the type of content that's there because I have no doubt that there's users of that content within these corporations. Certainly. Um, but you know, we did um, earlier this year, you know, we were um, in conversations with Visa and they had reached out to other credit card companies um, to, to, to educate them on the type of content that was on a website like Pornhub. We had been in, you know, considerable dialogue with them. And of course, it was interesting how suddenly after the Kristoff article comes out, they're scrambling and they're, you know, mm-hmm. with saying that they're withdrawing their processing from from somebody from Pornhub mm-hmm. and MindGeek. So, okay, yeah, it took the New York Times, but hey, we'll take it. We can live with it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's progress. It's a step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we've had a little bit of a step back with Visa. Like, they initially, they had, like, withdrawn processing for um, basically all of MindGeek's um, companies, which, you know, they're all related. They're pornography related. Some of them are actually producers, creators of pornographic content. And others are play a role in facilitating the, the whole enterprise. Uh, but they, they've continued to say they're not processing for Pornhub itself, but some other elements of Pornhub that they, they have bought back on mm-hmm. uh, line, so to speak. So we're, we're disappointed in that, but we'll be continuing our dialogue with them. But, you know, we're also excited because the Canadian Parliament is going to be taking a look at MindGeek. Their ethics committee and their parliament is um, concerned and going to be um, hopefully bringing them in for to, to make them answer questions. Like, this is an industry that has virtually no, I mean, no oversight. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're not prosecuting, if, if it's any new laws, if, you know, they're just, they're just been given a free pass to do all this stuff. And there's just, <laughs> it's just riddled. Yeah. With, you know, sex trafficking content, child sexual abuse content, sexual assault content, 
you know, literally one woman, one mother identified her daughter who was missing um, by her, the videos that were up, her sexual assault videos that were uploaded on. Oh, oh Lord. I, man, you know, listen, there is much um, for me to tack on to what you have said, Lisa. Oh I'll save it for a show when we don't have a guest because it, <laughs> it probably might be translated as like a, as a, a rant, all right? Like, I mean, we, we've got big problems Man. in the United States of America, Man. and we've got a changing administration, and uh, both houses <laughs> are both chambers, let me say that, um, of, of Congress. And, and listen, I don't know that we will be in a position, at least for a few years here, where they're going to be people who care about this at, you know, the highest levels of our government. I, I just don't see that happening. So my question to you is this, uh, what can we do? Like what's, what's the call mm. to action for the average parent or grandparent listening? What's the call to action f- for us? Well, as it pertains to Pornhub, I, I would encourage your listeners to go to our website, which is endsexualexploitation.org, and then you can just put in a flash and put Pornhub, and you'll go right to all of our detailed information about the Pornhub issue and, and our campaigns around that, around that. So again, that's endsexualexploitation.org slash Pornhub. Um, and you can take issue, uh, take action, send emails to Visa and the, and the credit card companies and so forth. Um, in addition to our Pornhub efforts, we do something every year called the Dirty Dozen List. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the new, the 2021 Dirty Dozen List will be coming out um, towards, I think it's around February 24th, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm-hmm. And on that list, this Dirty Dozen List, we publicize who we consider to be the top mainstream contributors to the normalization of sexual exploitation in America. Mm-hmm. So these tend to be, you know, mainstream corporate companies that are profiting or in some way normalizing sexual exploitation in ways that a lot of people, you know, maybe have no idea, or they just felt powerless to do anything about. So by creating, we're trying to shine a spotlight on this, you know, give public exposure to bad deeds, right? So that these corporations will feel some accountability and take corporate responsibility for their role in Mm -hmm. causing sexual harm. That's the goal. So Mm -hmm. you can come to our website again and, you know, check out the Dirty Dozen list Mm -hmm. and see all the entities that are involved. In each of these ones, we have campaigns that you can send emails to executives or sometimes there'll be emails going to legislators, depending on what the topic is. And help us create the public pressure we need to hold these entities accountable to make yes. them change their corporate culture. Very good. Very good. I, I see also on your website, um, as it pertains to the Dirty Dozen list for 2021, that you guys have a reveal event that is happening February 23rd, um, 11 ah, a.m. I had it Eastern. off by a day, the 23rd. <laughs> Yeah. So, so no, that's, that's so important though, Lisa, I just wanted to make sure that, that our listeners are able, because the thing, the question that we get is, man, what can I do? What can I, you know, we, we, we see what's happening and so many people are not content to just sit by and shake their head and say, oh, that's a shame. And so in addition to prayer as a believer, my first response is prayer. And then after that, it's like, okay, what practical steps can we take to solve this problem? Um, You know, I don't know that we put an end to it, but man, let us be found doing whatever it is that we can do. Um, And so anyway, 
Um, Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. I really do appreciate you taking the time to unpack this issue. It's not comfortable. We don't enjoy talking about it, but it is very necessary. Um, Again, give our listeners your website. Yes, it's insexualexploitation.org. And thank you so much. It's just been great speaking with you. Yeah, insexualexploitation.org. All right. God bless you, Lisa. Thank you so much. We're out of time until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless.